0: I think he controlled the House of Representatives for the entire year, from the very beginning of Kevin McCarthy's very difficult vote to be speaker, and he brought down a speaker.
1: Welcome to the Powers That Be daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, December 26th. It's been a year of drama and chaos on Capitol Hill, with sex scandals, physical confrontations, indictments, pulled fire alarms, and fired speakers. And today, I'm joined by Abby Livingston with her Capitol Hill winners and losers from 2023. So grab a Boxing Day drink and get cozy because we're gonna talk about all the congressional drama and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers the Be. happy tuesday everybody welcome to the powers that be thank you for listening to us over the holidays i hope everyone had a wonderful christmas if you celebrate and that you didn't get any coal in your stocking today is boxing day shout out to our power listeners in canada and the united kingdom i'm joined today by abby livingston to review her winners and losers from 2023 on capitol hill Abby, welcome. I hope you had a great Christmas. But first, do you know what Boxing Day is? I'm looking for help.
0: Not a clue. It was just on calendars as a child, as December 26th. <laughs> but it's, it's also uh, my sister's birthday. So it's a big day in our family.
1: Exactly. Well, happy birthday to your sister. Um, I'm sure there's a Wikipedia entry I could pull up here. It originated as a holiday to give gifts to poor people, uh, I believe. But it's turned into a day across the British Commonwealth, where you basically like just go meet up with your family and drink all day. Uh, at least, you know, I experienced Boxing Day one time in England, and that's basically what it was, which was delightful. But, you know, there's probably some good sales going on, too. So it
0: sounds bloody amazing. I hope there's some g
1: <laughs> I'm sure there are. So, Abby, as discussed, let's talk winners and losers from this year on Capitol Hill. Uh, you know, this was a year where you know, unless you disagree with I me, mean, not a lot got done legislatively. But oh, man, there was some drama. So let's start with your winners. We chit-chatted beforehand. You've got about four or five of them. Who's your number one winner on Capitol Hill from this year? Blow my mind.
0: I'm going to say Matt Gaetz. Uh I think he controlled the House of Representatives for the entire year from the very beginning of Kevin McCarthy's very difficult vote to be speaker. And he brought down a speaker and you know, I, I don't know if that was good for Capitol Hill, but he certainly was effective in what he was trying to do over the course of the year.
1: That is a curveball. I feel like a lot of people out there just think that Matt Gates is kind of a MAGA goofball, seeking attention, Some got some veneers, maybe got some new hair, maybe got some Botox over the years. But is he somebody that we should be taking more seriously than that?
0: Uh, I think he was very strategic in how he exerted his power. He clearly got some concessions from Kevin McCarthy and held it over his head. But what I would remind our listeners is uh, there's an old expression that it's a lot easier to burn down a barn than build a barn. And he burned one down. And that is the mold mm. of what being a politician is. And I don't know if we can actually call it admirable, but he certainly controlled the Capitol in a uniquely unique way that we had not seen before.
1: Listen up, Pensacola, Florida, you have a really powerful man in Congress, uh, according to Abby. Who else do you have on your winner's list?
0: Uh, Well, I'm going to say reluctantly again, uh, George Santos. Um, You know, he's doing his media tour. He looks to be making a fortune on... Cameo, um, you know, he seems to be having the absolute time of his life laughing and enjoying the attention. Now, the party (laughs) may be coming to an end very soon now because he's under indictment. And, you know, he is a part of history now in a really shameful way as one of the few people who've ever been expelled from the House of Representatives. But he seemed to set out and uh, accomplish what he wanted to do, which was to be the center of attention.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Matt Gates, but in a funnier way. I'm a little like you. I feel a little icky about his sort of reputational rehab on the internet right now. Like he's being like kind of yas queened uh, and memefied. And people love that he's like spilling the tea of what really happens in Congress, uh, despite being one of the greatest, most notorious liars in American public life and under federal indictment. And uh, bilking his own campaign donors to buy botox only fan subscriptions and really expensive shoes like slow your roll if you're hyping up george santos and giving him money on cameo but he really did expose interestingly a couple weeks ago he did an interview with z-way uh, on showtime who, who you know her whole bit is she likes to own her interview subjects with awkward questions and santos went on the show accepted her invitation kind of exposed her and all of us in the media for our addiction to him. And I'll just read the clip. <laughs> Ziwe asks him, what can we do to get you to go away? Santos says, stop inviting me to your gigs. Ziwe says, the lesson is to stop inviting you places. And Santos smiles back at her with this grin. And he says, but you can't because people want the content. And Ziwe just kind of looks at the camera uh, and whether or not she knows she got owned or not. She wants the content. She invited him on. Uh, the show. She says she wants him to go away, but come on, you really don't. Okay, Abby, who's your final winner on Capitol Hill?
0: I'm going to say Hakeem Jeffries. I I think we sometimes forget how long Nancy Pelosi was the leader of the House conference. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was almost 20 years. And this was a huge transition. And it seems to have gone very smoothly. Um, It's as I've said many times, it's so much easier to be in the minority. This was a good tenure to be get your training wheels. But, uh, you know, I've, I've heard very few criticisms of him from the rank and file in the House Democratic Caucus. Um, things could get harder next year. Um, he's got a lot of pressure on him. He's got to perform in New York State. And when House race mm-hmm. is there, if he comes up mm-hmm. short, you know, his future may be uncertain. But he had a pretty good first year in a pretty consequential uh, transition. And so I think he probably uh, is the biggest winner on Capitol Hill in the conventional way.
1: Would you say he's, he's really earned the respect of the Democratic caucus? Like, do they look up to him and look to him for leadership at this point?
0: Absolutely. I think two things were going on. One, Pelosi and Steny Hoyer and James Clyburn had been in office so long that so many, so much upward movement had been uh, staunched. And so there was just a natural release valve of people moving up, feeling better about their place in Congress. Um, but also, in contrast to Kevin McCarthy's chaos, Hakeem Jeffries looked pretty good. I, I mean, he didn't really have to work mm-hmm. for it. You just kind of have to stand there <laughs> next to him and not have chaos next to you. But people were pretty positive about him. But then in October, when um, Nancy Pelosi was in California for Dianne Feinstein's funeral when Kevin McCarthy got deposed, and it really became apparent Mm -hmm. that Hakeem Jeffries was leading this caucus and that people were looking to him for guidance and marching behind him. And so it was sort of a weird coincidence that he was there was no Pelosi in the room. But he really did seem to assume power and leadership in a way that was noteworthy.
1: Listen up, Hakeem Jeffries, press shop. Uh, you better clip this and show it to your boss uh, when he gets back for New Year's. <laughs> and you're right, right, We'll look, see how next the, year the goes. The road back to recapturing the House. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Get it under his uh, under his belt uh, before the year kicks off. But you're right, the, the road back to a Democratic majority in Congress runs through those New York House seats beginning in, in late February with that, with that Santos seat, NY3. Um, and, and that's where... Democrats could have won in 2022, and they fumbled the bag. So Jeffries is definitely going to be putting some money and some attention on his home state, that's for sure. I'm going to take a quick break, Abby. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the losers. Welcome back to The Powers That Be, everybody. Happy boxing day put some bitters in your gin and tonic if you're drinking one my uncle larry likes to do that and i think it's an interesting move um i think you'll like it out there if you're again listening in the british commonwealth or canada abby we've got our loser segment now i think i know who the biggest loser
0: take a is wild be guess on your list,
1: but why don't you go ahead and say it uh, is it is it the former speaker from california
0: nancy pelosi no just kidding um I think we have to look at Kevin Owen McCarthy as the biggest loser on Capitol Hill in 2023. And it's pretty self explanatory.
1: It is it is pretty self explanatory. I mean, obviously he, you know, was the first speaker in, you know, how long since the like nineteenth century to be bounced <laughs> from his seat uh with the motion to vacate MTV baby, you know, was in there for seven or eight months, you know, it was mostly, you know obstructing biden that was the goal uh encouraging you know it's like he was such a creature of washington that the points he scored in the press at least were like oh look at how he's managing the caucus uh with you know without sort of stepping back and being like what has this guy actually done he's obviously flip-flopped on donald trump too many times to count he went out of Congress. Apparently elbowing one of his uh, one of the members of the Freedom Caucus <laughs> in a hallway, then was sort of on camera denying it, even though he smelled like a bit of a liar in that one. You know, there's just a lot of pockmarks here. And he went out acting all like principle, like stand up for what you believe in. But I think there's few people across the spectrum among Democrats. Uh, you know, there's a few sort of like people in, in the sort of Chamber of Commerce wing of the Republican Party who like him. He was the biggest fundraiser. He was the... You know, only sane person in the asylum for a time. But like, I don't know what history is going to look back and say about Kevin McCarthy. What do you think?
0: I think the lesson from his speakership comes in two points. One, it comes back to the 2022 midterms, which was supposed to be his biggest strength. And I, I mean, to be clear, I still think that up until he left, he was that best political. I don't know if tactician's the right word but he he had the utility mm-hmm. belt of fundraising and candidate recruitment and but he still came up much shorter than expectations and that's what put him in this vice and I think the other thing is Everybody liked him. I mean, not everybody, but um, most House Republicans personally liked him. But that is very different from being feared. And that is, you know, if you cross Nancy Pelosi, I saw House members cross her and it would take them 10 years to get back in her good graces and to get any traction on the Hill. They paid a dear price. And it was never you know, screaming or yelling or anything like that. It was just very small slights. And um, so I just I think that that's the lesson that he was not an LBJ. He was more of a people pleaser. And and that was the fatal flaw.
1: Yes. And that was one of the knocks on him. It was that, that he would tell people one thing in the room and then say something else to someone else in another room and then say one thing differently to the press. Oh, man. All right. Who else do you have as a loser on Capitol Hill?
0: I'm going to say the reputation of the House of Representatives, and I'm going to name a few people, um, (laughs) and that is uh, Lauren Boebert because of the incident at the Beetlejuice musical, Ronnie Jackson for being detained at a rodeo while screaming at law enforcement, Marjorie Taylor Greene for calling Lauren Boebert a little bitch on the House floor, Jamal Bowman for pulling a fire alarm, presumably to delay a vote, Derek Van Orden for swearing at pages who are teenagers in the rotunda of the United States Capitol and I'm going to be clever here and I'm going to throw George Santos in that also because I think he also did many many things to diminish the reputation of the House of Representatives and I just keep uh you know I don't know if there're going to be any clear consequences for most of this behavior but this is really mm-hmm. delegitimizing the political system in the eyes of many Americans and it's it's a really unfortunate uh development that seems Very much rooted in um, the parties not being being able to control candidate quality at the outset and uh, social media.
1: Yeah. And on that note, social media note, you mentioned Jamal Bowman. I'm glad you mentioned him. I mean, a guy who loves attention, loves to post selfies of himself on the Internet. Karma's a bitch. (laughs) Uh, He's drawn a primary challenger uh, after that incident of pulling the fire alarm. And, you know, he's in for a tough fight in the 16th in New York. But one reason I'm I'm glad you mentioned Bowman is it's important to mention a few Democrats in there. He beclowned himself, but also so did one big Democratic senator also from the Northeast. Who might we be talking about?
0: We are talking about the senior senator from the Garden State, Robert Menendez. And I mean, he is in a whole heap of trouble. He's already been prosecuted before. But I think the really important thing to remember here is Coming into this uh, this scandal, which I still don't haven't fully processed, but um, it's it's clear he's been in, allegedly involved in corruption that involved gold bars. But what I would just point out is. Bob Menendez was the party boss of New Jersey. And that is no small thing because New Jersey is still very much a machine politics state where pe- party bosses have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. His son easily came to Congress because of his power. And so he has really destabilized the the, the pecking order of New Jersey politics. He's diminished the reputation of, in the Senate the, in a way that you know, I, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but we can go back to um, sometimes we keep revisiting New Jersey, but um, Abscam, which is what the movie American Hustle is based on. And and mm-hmm. sort of along with this, I'll just throw in a little bit of a curveball. Um, you know, he was he lost his chairmanship or he stepped back temporarily from his chairmanship at, at the House, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which is taking another hit in recent weeks when a Capitol Hill staffer recorded a video engaging in some sort of sexual act. And so this is just sort of a beleaguered committee that's just had several hits. But, um, yeah. you, know, you know, this is just, I, I, again, like, I just, when I started out in journalism, it never occurred to me I would be covering things like this. But it's, it's this has not been a good year for um, Robert Menendez.
1: Yeah, the Menendez stuff is is just, it's so, I'm glad you mentioned Abscam because it feels so old school. Like, he's chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. And apparently, like, wrapped up in grafted corruption with, you know, Egyptians and there's gold bars and just like wads of cash. Look, I mean, there's been lots of dramatic scandals in, in the House and the Senate in our lifetime. Um, I feel I feel like, you know, I, who's the guy who had the cash in his freezer like back when we were in our 20s? Uh, Jefferson,
0: it, I think William Jefferson in New Orleans.
1: Yes. Dollar Bill Jefferson. The Mark Foley scandal, like John Ensign, whatever. But like this, there just feels like such a concentration of drama and scandals now, and we're sort of numb to it, which is also sad. Um, Abby, I want to let you go. One m- winner you didn't mention that I just thought of, and you know, sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> Speaker Mike Johnson uh, came out of nowhere to become House Speaker, uh, straight out of Shreveport. He hasn't had enough under his belt yet. Uh, to for us to sort of say for sure whether he's a winner or a loser, that'll be proved out in twenty twenty four. But I feel like we got to include him on the list, right?
0: I, I actually thought about him, and I didn't put him on the list. I you know, it's it's kind of a um it's it's just such a terrible job he's inherited. And it's it's one of those I think it was probably kind of fun at first, just like, oh my gosh, I'm Speaker of the House. But <laughs> yeah. he, you know, this is not a fun job. And this is probably the hardest hardest tenure of anyone in my lifetime of trying to be a speaker, given all these problems, given the divisiveness within the House GOP conference, and given this, he's got an even tinier margin than Kevin McCarthy, in part because Kevin McCarthy helped create mm-hmm. that margin by resigning. And so it's, um, I hate this term, but it just popped into my head when <laughs> you you mentioned it. And it was uh, John Boehner's term, you know, a shit sandwich or crap sandwich. And it's just... Um, Uh, It seems like he has inherited that. And so, you know, we will see. I think he's done a pretty good job so far. He prevented a government shutdown. But um, I I think it's going to be a horrendous year for him. But I could be wrong.
1: Abby, thank you for your insights all year on Capitol Hill. Uh, I increasingly think you're the best to ever do it. You're a winner this year for coming to Puck in particular. So thank you for that. We love we love having you here. Uh, Keep kicking ass. To everyone listening, thank you for listening to The Powers That Be on Boxing Day and not listening to Mike Johnson's podcast, Truth Be Told, A Christian Perspective on Politics, Law, the Media, Church, and other arenas. Look, maybe you listened to that yesterday on Christmas, but uh, you can be a little more secular on Boxing Day. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.